You're listening to Siren Radio with me, Andrew David. It's time now for the John Ketley Weather Show. Unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond my control, the recording has me slightly louder and sounding rather distorted. I do apologise for this. However, the delightful thing is that John sounds beautiful and mellifluous and melodic as ever. So once again, apologies for the slight distortion at my end, but John is sounding fantastic. You're listening to Siren Radio. If you are clever, and I know you are because you're listening to Siren Radio, you'll know that this is not the first Wednesday of the month. It is indeed the 8th. We're recording this at just gone 11 o'clock on Wednesday, the 8th of December. And it is time for John Ketley to give us the weather. Um, There is a very good family reason why we couldn't do it on the first. Whether John wants to tell us that or not, I don't know. But (laughs) since that, in those last seven days, we've had some serious weather to talk about. So, John, it's a great pleasure to welcome you today to the John Ketley Weather Show here on Sire Radio. John, welcome. Well, the pleasure is all mine, of course, as Andrew. But uh, yes, I will let you into the secret. The reason we weren't on last week is because traditionally uh, the Ketley family go to buy their Christmas tree on the first of the month. And <laughs> who am I? Who am I uh, to to say, no, we're not going to do that because we've got to do a, a fantastic programme on Siren. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, we're here a week later and there's been more weather to talk about anyway in the interim. So that's fine. You, you absolutely. It, it, it's a weather person's uh, paradise. Well, I say paradise. I mean, it's the fact that there's so much weather happening after having weeks and months when it's been flat, grey and hmm. So let's look back over what November threw at us. Well, November, a bit of a mixture, really, wasn't it? Because if we all remember going back about four or five weeks to the beginning of November, it did start off a little bit chilly. Uh, there was some rain about as well. Looking back to the fourth of the month, uh, it was actually quite... Um, relatively uh, relatively wet and windy at times in that first few days but then we suddenly changed and for two weeks it was largely dry and mild across much of Lincolnshire and indeed much of the country had a very dry month overall before eventually from the 20th onwards everything started to go a little bit uh, <laughs> pear-shaped once again and we had the first of these storms coming along which was called Arwen which um, I don't even know whether it's a male or a female name that one but but nonetheless <laughs> It's, uh, it was quite a nasty storm, which brought a lot of disruption to Scotland. And sadly, a few people still are without power up in mm. the north of Scotland and northeast England, which is, it seems quite ridiculous in 2021. But there we go. That's, uh, that's not for our discussion. Uh, but um, looking at the figures for Lincolnshire in particular, and if you look at the first 20 months, 20 days of the month, our rainfall figures were actually extremely low. We were only recording 6 to 11 millimetres across Lincolnshire, in those first 20 days of November. And the mean temperature at that point, that's the average of the maximum temperature by afternoon and the overnight temperature, was plus three degrees. Quite extraordinary. So everybody was getting a little bit excited, especially with um, COP26 going on. Everybody was getting very excited that, oh, well, this is a sign of things to come. Uh, we're getting warmer and warmer and warmer, and you can forget about snow forevermore. And sunshine, though, at that point, had only been about 48 hours. So although it had been dry and very mild, There hadn't been that much in the way of sunshine for Lincolnshire, as I say, just 48 hours up until the 20th. And then things really began to change after that. On the 21st, we had more sunshine, colder winds started to come in and some pretty heavy showers around north facing coast. And there was some frost around at night. But it was on the 26th when our wind suddenly started to move in. And that actually was an unusual storm because, you know, normally a winter storm affecting Scotland would normally come through on the jet stream up the western side of the UK and develop the severest winds and the heavy driving rain across western and northern parts of the UK 
in particular up through Cumbria, Northern Ireland, Western Scotland. This was slightly different because it came in as a, came in as a very ordinary uh, winter storm and then it intensified on the eastern side of Scotland, off Aberdeenshire. The centre of the low pressure by the 26th, 27th was just off Aberdeen and that's when it intensified considerably and that's why it became so serious a storm. And that was uh, rather similar to what happened way back in 1950, was it 1953 when we had the, the East Coast? Um, the big floods. Yeah, yeah, the big floods down the East Coast. Was it 1953? I think, I'm pretty sure it was 53 because I remember being at Wells recently and looking at the um, the high water marks and thinking that it was 53 and then there were a couple in, well, the, the most recent one was in uh, 2017, I think it was. So anyway, yes, I think you're right with 53, just yeah. before I was born and when you were but a babe in arms, I believe. Uh, yeah, but I didn't actually remember this situation. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I was well protected over on the western side of northern England. Uh, but um, no, it was uh, it was a pretty nasty storm, this one. It intensified considerably and it was quite a low pressure off Aberdeenshire. And that's why it, it just sort of flicked down the east coast for a while and intensified, bringing those severest storms just to a, a fairly local area of eastern Scotland and that far northeastern corner of England. And as it obviously engaged the cold rail, that's why it was intensifying. It was intensifying because of the cold rail. It was just a reservoir to the north of the country. Uh, so that's the reason that the, the winds got uh, much, much stronger. I forget, I think it was about 80,000 homes in Scotland were without, uh, without electricity at the beginning of this uh, storm. Yeah, there was a red warning put out, wasn't there? Yeah. Which is very unusual. And that was because of uh, forecasts of 90 mile an hour winds and some snowfall as well. And so that's why it got uh, very, very bad indeed up there. The storm itself, the centre of the storm, travelled down the east coast, but it came much weaker as it went off the coast of Kent by the end of the 27th on the Saturday. But the M62 was badly hit by the snow. I think you may remember the over 100 lorries, I think, uh, stuck on the M62 just above uh, Rochdale, between Rochdale and Halifax, Huddersfield, uh, because one lorry jackknifed up there because of the snow that came down very, very quickly. Uh, so, yeah, we saw a big drop in temperature. There wasn't that much rain or sleet here, really. It was uh, mainly rain at Scampton, got nine millimetres between the 26th and the 27th. So that wasn't the big issue. It was, in fact, the fact that that big storm did bring these stronger winds. The strongest winds I saw was actually in Donanook, 68 miles an hour there, and just 50 miles an hour at Waddington and at Scampton. So it got a bit drafty around the corner, uh, but but nonetheless... No more than you'd expect for a typical winter storm and really comparable with storms that have gone past in previous years, around about the same sort of date as well. Uh, so Talking about dates, to, to interrupt, I've done some wibbly-wobbly research. 31st of January 1953, it was oh, yeah. the, uh, overnight and into the following day. Yep, yep. I still don't remember it, Andrew. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't insinuating anything at all, John. Sorry, I, I, I interrupted. Uh, but don't you remember... I think it was, will it be about 2013? You're going to look this one up now, aren't you? 2013, when Boston got flooded, didn't it? With a similar situation, when you got the, the high tides coming down the east Pushing. coast. That's, that seems to be the most devastating weather we get around our coast, where we get those high tides coming down the east coast rather than the west coast. Although, having said that, of course, what's happened in the past 24 hours is quite severe. And as, uh, as our friend Paul, Paul Howard, Paul the pilot, Indeed, who's listening, I know. He is indeed. Our resident pilot, if that doesn't sound too pretentious, <laughs> our resident pilot uh, just happened to mention the fact that there was one ferry went out from Rosslare on a four-hour trip and it was still there for 24 hours, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> Sheltering off in Peninsula, which you can uh, probably say better than me. And indeed, I've been there, so I know just how, how traumatic it could be. Uh, going back to Boston, it was the 7th of December, so almost uh, synchronous with where we are today. Yeah, absolutely right. 
I was called up for uh, BBC Scotland yesterday morning to talk about the big storm that was coming, which was the one that we've currently uh, got at the moment, uh, Barra, which has been barrelling across the Atlantic <laughs> that a few times. Yeah. Um, so Barra was coming in, and of course the story was, as far as Scotland were concerned, is it going to be as bad as the one that's still around or previously caused this uh, this big uh, power cut? Uh, well, overall it probably hasn't been, but nonetheless a very nasty storm indeed. But it was actually four years to the day since a previous named storm called Caroline wreaked uh, yes. havoc across Scotland as well, and that gave gusts in excess of 80 miles an hour, much the same as we've seen in the past 24 hours. So again, it's a fairly typical winter storm for northern Britain. But uh, again, we're, we've, we've jumped forward again. We'll be talking about the Christmas weather soon if we're not careful. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> I better go back across the rest of the country during uh, November because there were some uh, fluctuations. Well, to say fluctuations is an understatement because some places <laughs> were extremely dry, whereas others were uh, extremely wet. I think I mentioned last month that Loch Glascarnock is a place which does get an awful lot of rain up in the north of Scotland. It's not on my bucket list. I have no intention of going to Loch Glascarnock, but I'm sure it's very nice, really, on a sunny day, sunny summer day. But they had 227 millimetres of rain way above anybody else uh, throughout the month of uh, November. That's only 18% above their average (laughs) rainfall, 227 millimetres. So there was a lot of rain up in that uh, neck of the woods. All around the islands, really, the western and northern isles of Scotland did see the heaviest rain. There was 168 millimetres at Lerwick as well. So, yeah, very wet and miserable, sometimes windy as well, up in that far north and northwest of Scotland. But elsewhere, you come away from there and the rainfall was significantly down. If you look at our figures, I haven't got scamped and I do apologise for that. Because I know you like to write these things down. I do. I make notes. Yeah, you put them on your postcard. Yep. Um, to send to friends. Well, they used to be friends, but they've got bored with the figures. Uh, but um, but what, what? You're on a guys? roll today, aren't you? I am a bit. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. It's this jab. <laughs> Booster jab. They didn't say that was one of the side effects. <laughs> I, and I haven't noted it as one of them because I went in the opposite direction. Anyway, carry on, John. I'm, I'm, I've got my pet, my quill ready. Right. Okay. Well, Waddington. 21.6 millimetres, that's all, in November. Uh, Cranwell got 19 millimetres. And uh, Waynefleet, over on the coast there, there was a bit more rain at times, coming down the east coast with the showers, it was 38 millimetres there. And Wittering down, you know, just, 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 into, across the just border. into Cambridge. I think. It is just on the edge, yep. Yeah, they only got 16 millimetres at Wittering, and that was representing 38% of their normal rainfall. Uh, so if you look at the figures overall, I mentioned at the beginning that first 20 days, 6 to 11 millimetres, temperatures plus 3, sunshine only 48 hours. When you put the figures together for Lincolnshire, you finished up with 19 to 38 millimetres then across the board. The mean temperature then was down at plus 1, just plus 1, which made it a pretty ordinary sort of month really for temperatures because of the big drop at the end. And sunshine did increase to 79 hours, so that was uh, 12% above average at Waddington. You don't get an awful lot of sunshine, vitamin D at this time of the year. That's why we're on the tablets. Mm. Oh, that's probably the reason I'm talking about. Uh, but um, <laughs> it's the vitamin D. I'm, I'm getting too much. Uh, so elsewhere across the country, other places were really dry, very, very dry indeed. Uh, even in Herefordshire, where Monty Don is based, you know, he's, he's always talking about how he gets very wet in the winter down at um, Longmeadow in his yep. garden. Well, they haven't had much rain recently. They've got more rain now, but... Um, they only had about 11 to 18 millimetres of rain around Herefordshire during November. There was um, eight millimetres, that's all, just eight millimetres of rain at St. James's Park in the middle of London. And Shoebury Ness, our friend there in Essex, just 10 millimetres for the entire month. 
that was uh, less than 20% of what they would expect to get. Their sunshine, incidentally, was 105 hours at Shoebriness. I'd love to give you the Keppel Keurig figures, but we don't get them anymore. I don't know whether mm. they shut down, uh, which is a big shame because it's a good place to contrast, isn't it, with the, the dry rain shadow area of the southeast of England. I had to get our North Wales correspondents to nip up there every so often and well, file some so. copy. You know, I, I think, think it's. So. I think he, they should actually buy a new bit of kit yeah. uh, where they've got automatic uh, weather recordings there. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Where, where right. he lives. So that's, that is a shame that uh, we haven't got Capel Curig anymore, but I think you can probably imagine that it, <laughs> it was probably wetter than here. Yes. Um, <laughs> Bournemouth Airport down at Hearn, uh, they only got 6.6 millimetres of rain through the month. And despite the fact that we've talked about it being a plus three degrees in the first 20 days, they finished up actually right on normal temperatures because they got quite a lot of frost at the end last seven eight days a lot of frost around so their mean temperature plummeted and so it was uh, pretty ordinary there just very very close to average temperatures for the entire month but it was extremely dry i mean that's the main thing to take away from this it was unusually dry for november because if you look i mean historically we go back to the times when we just had smog didn't we oh well remember those oh awful yellow like fogs yellow that's right i used to walk home from school in this yellow mist well fog and um it was awful and you could you could taste it couldn't you absolutely Ab- absolutely dreadful and that was a traditional um traditional 50s and 60s type november but of course the clean air act coming in 56 that started to improve things dramatically and uh, we don't have that sort of thing anymore thank goodness but um it was actually the driest across england and wales since 1956 so uh, that's when the Clean Air Act came in. That's Indeed. Uh, so it was the driest November since 1956. I think it went down for the whole of the UK as the third mildest since 1884. So it was uh, it was quite extreme. The central England temperature, which we always refer to because it's the longest standing uh, temperature regime anywhere in the world, uh, finished up at 7.3 degrees. And at one point in the month, if you go back to about the 20th, it was running about the 10th mildest on record since 1659. It finished up uh, 302nd out of 363. So there are actually 61 milder Novembers in the end than it looked like they were going to be. So interesting, very interesting month. I mean, every month is interesting, Andrew. And the reason we get excited about this job is that we can talk about the extremes in different parts of the country and we can talk about the, um, the fluctuations from the norm and you know, we, with all the talk, we, we must mention COP again because that mm. was uh, that was about to start, I think, on the last show. Indeed, it was. And um, yeah, I don't know whether anything was actually sorted out in those two weeks. It must have been an extremely expensive, expensive um, event to take to to hold. Mm. Uh, really expensive. And did actually anything get achieved? I'm not sure. Well, the, the interesting thing is uh, I take that scurrilous rag private eye and occasionally, and occasionally they hit the nail on the head um, and I haven't got it to hand. It's, it's a couple of rooms away. But basically it was a list of things achieved and it was a list of meetings that we're promising to have, to have meetings about meetings, to set yeah. targets, to set targets about meetings. You know, it yeah. kept going on like that. Now, I've, I've badly paraphrased it. And Mr. Hislop, please don't sue me or Siren. <laughs> but the whole point of the matter was it was a massive talking shop. There was some immense, passionate very memorable speeches, not just by Sir, Sir, Sir David Attenborough and people like that, but also by 
particularly people who've come from uh, living in South America and places which are, and, and or of course, India and across that subcontinent, where the effects of rising seawater are humongous. And really, you know, putting what you've just into perspective, I know there are places that are still without power, but I can remember in the big snows when I just finished at BBC television, 1991, I think it was, where we had the big, another beast from the east in the East Midlands and cables came down and we were without power only 10 miles out of Nottingham for about four or five days. It is nothing in comparison to what some people are having to um, to put up with. Um, and it, it was incredibly expensive, a big talking shop. I'm sure something will come out of it, but not at the magnitude that is believed to be necessary to peg the overall world's um, heating back to the, is it 1.5? Yeah, well, 1.5, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound unachievable, does it, no. really? Uh, bear in mind, you know, 20 years ago, they were talking about we could be looking at a six degree rise in temperature this decade. Yeah. Uh, this century, I should say. Uh, six degrees, that was extreme, naturally, but um, they don't talk about that anymore. I think they've all realised that that was stupid. And 1.5 should be achievable. They fear perhaps two to two and a half degree rise if nothing was ever done. Mm. Uh, but something will be done. Of course. Of course it will be done. Uh, we have to do that. We have to use solar fields, solar panels. We've got to use wind turbines, especially, especially offshore, not on land, not in my back garden and all this kind of thing. Uh, but who can afford these heating pumps to get your heating uh, in your house? You know, that, that is a ridiculous notion. And, of course, that that was shown to be faulty in some senses because when the power went down, I remember there were a couple of households were saying, we've got all this installed, we've gone green, uh, we're using green electricity because a lot of Scotland have managed to generate enough electricity by um, uh, carbon neutral uh, ways. Yeah, yeah. But the heat pump wouldn't work um, because there was no electricity to drive it. So, yeah, um it's it and and as you say, our hearts go out to the people who are still waiting because you know in twenty twenty one you do not expect to still be waiting over a week later no, to you do reconnect. Not. It's absolutely deplorable, really, absolutely right. deplorable. I might just say in passing, you know, there's, there are plans at the moment for a huge um, solar field close to me, uh, northwest of Lincoln. Uh, in the next two or three years mm-hmm. our station that closed down or is closing down across in the west on the trent at cotton yep and they're going to start feeding in well that's what they want to do solar fields uh, here very close by to me so there's a negotiation going out my parish council has got a meeting tomorrow night now quite frankly with all the will in the world they're not going to get that turned around <laughs> you know with all the pressure from all around the world talking about cop as it was they're not, Boris Johnson's not going to turn around and say, no, we're not having that. That's ridiculous. No, we'll have a few more coal fields and coal power, <laughs> power stations. It's going to go ahead, surely, isn't it? Well, it, it's fascinating. And there was another joke about uh, China saying uh, the best thing to come out of COP26 is that we can carry on burning coal. Um, because, you know, that has proven, going back to what you were talking about, the 1956 Clean Air Act, not just impacting on global uh, climate change, but also just yours and my lungs as young children yes. walking to school, yes. uh, breathing all of that in. Um, it didn't do you any good. Well, it didn't do me any good. I'm sure uh, you're much fitter and healthier than I am, but I, I'm now suffering from asthma and it, ca- it must be trackable back 
to what we were breathing as I was going, you know, walking to bridge school in Harrow, uh, because they had a big railway junction just up the road and the steam trains were chundering along there. And I remember thinking how lovely to hang over and the smell, the steam and the soot, which we do now when we go to preservation places. But I was breathing that all the time. But we, we sound like a couple of whingy old lads, don't we? But yeah, right, we? That, that's, the, that's the point of the programme, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> old men get things off their chest and talk about the weather, incidentally. That's, where well, are we? You, you, you just reminded me again about another story because back in back in the day when we had the smogs and everything else but we also had the severe gales yep. storm force winds up in the pennines where i was it was always quite funny when i was uh, walking to school i used to walk about a mile to school it was uphill and down dale it wasn't on the flat you know? uh. it wasn't at the bottom of lincoln it was uphill and down dale in the, the foothills of the pennines and um he used to have to walk the same way as my deputy headmaster, and uh, he was the maths teacher, and you feared him. He was one of these oh, teachers no. that you just feared. You know, you, you dock your hat, and in fact, he was a person who always docked his hat to the ladies as he went past. How charming. type man, you know, lovely man. Uh, but uh, you, you walk past him in fear because you think he's going to say something like, your cap's not straight or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, what are you doing with that umbrella? It's, it shouldn't be a Burnley Football Club umbrella. It should be, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> you, you can't wear that. Anyway. Uh, he used to uh, have to walk up the hill just the same as I did, and you could, he was blowing backwards sometimes with the stormy force winds, and it was terrible. Uh, it was amazing. embarrassing to watch him because he was nearly sixty when uh, when I was at school. Oh, all schoolmasters yeah. were, anyway. were very old, weren't they? They they looked so much older, and um, yes. I don't know what it is about school were, teachers. Yeah. Now well, let's get back on track. Um, are we heading towards a tune, or have you anything to put in before we have your tune? No, I think we're going to go on to weather around the world. Okay, so you, you've uh, got to go on, do your DJ bit. Yeah, well, DJ bit, thanks very much. It's fluffy. Uh, <laughs> you might not think it's weather-related. I'll try and get a weather-related tune in, but this is Coldplay, and this is Christmas Lights. Christmas night, another fight, tears we cried a flood, got all kinds of poison in, of poison in my blood, I took my feet to Oxford Street, trying to right or wrong, just walk away, those windows say, but I can't believe she's gone. When you're still waiting for the snow to fall Doesn't really feel like Christmas at all Doesn't really feel like Christmas at all 
Still waiting for the snow to fall It doesn't really feel like Christmas at all Yeah, that was the great Chris Martin and Coldplay from 2016. It was called Christmas Lights. And there are some lovely lyrics in there, which I do like to repeat. Oh, when you're still waiting for the snow to fall, it doesn't really feel like Christmas at all. Still waiting for the snow to fall, it doesn't really feel like Christmas at all. I think there was something else in the song as well. That's the bit I like. And he kept repeating it. He, he did. And, and, of course, it draws us closer and closer to the mantra, which we're going to resist for the minute about what's going to happen 24th 25th 26th of december because uh, i already know the answer so we're not going to go there yeah. we're going to look around the world which almost follows on from what we were talking about cop 26 and the images that i can remember from from that of you know what what the rest of the world is is uh, is coping with so what have you picked up uh, this time around john well extremes of course and one of the extremes which i noted which was extremely unusual clearly it was extremely unusual we don't talk about canada very often but it is important once you get through to this time of the year it's important to talk about canada because what happens there actually does influence what happens in the states quite a lot well <laughs> an awful lot and eventually impacts on what we get across here with the jet stream sweeping across in the following 10 days so a lot's been going on in Canada. On the 6th of November, an extremely rare November tornado hit the city of Vancouver. Now, you wouldn't think that was um, so rare, but apparently the last time a tornado hit Vancouver was on the 25th of July, 1976. Now, can you believe that? Good Lord. The same year that we had the super hot summer. Indeed, yeah. So it's... it's uh... 
It ebbs and flows, the weather. Indeed. Cause and effect, I think. It's 1976. That's what they're saying. Now, I'm relying on the Canadian Weather Service for that information. It just seems quite ridiculous, really. Um, there was a tornado hitting the Vancouver area, apparently, on the 10th of March, 1991. There you go. But that in the middle of Vancouver, 1976. Now, I, th- I find that quite extraordinary, really. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's that's a to move on. And, and say that uh, they're probably right, but I can't prove it. Now, on the 9th, uh, they had a powerful storm which rapidly intensified over British Columbia as well. That brought some torrential rainfall, powerful wind gusts as well. And it was the third potent low to hit the region in less than three weeks. So they've had a pretty <laughs> devastating uh, spell of weather, wind and rain mm. up there. And this new this phrase has come in because of all these uh, storms up in Canada, and they keep referring to it as the weather bomb. Now, I've known about weather bombs for about 20 or 25 years, and the public wouldn't necessarily know about it, but it means that a storm is intensifying at the rate of 24 millibars over 24 hours on average. So 24 millibar drop in, temp- in uh, pressure, central pressure of the storm over a 24-hour period is actually classified as a weather bomb. Now everybody's beginning to talk about it, and that was the situation, of course, just a week ago with Anwin. And this one that's come across in the last 24 hours actually did develop very quickly as it uh, reached the eastern Atlantic. You know, this storm Barra, uh, if you look back 72 hours, it was in its embryonic state to the northwest of the Azores. It, it really wasn't showing signs of doing anything at all, but because of the fantastic computer power we have these days, it picked it up, it developed it, it intensified off Western Ireland, and that's where the storm force winds hit during yesterday morning across mm-hmm. in Ireland. That's where it was always going to be stormiest, and that's why Ireland named that storm, although it was designated as a named storm across the whole of the UK by the, uh, the joint uh, services of the UK and Ireland. So that was interesting. Now, another story, which we wouldn't normally talk about either, is in Egypt. You talk sometimes about, um, in Egypt, you talk about dust storms, sandstorm. Yep. I mean, I've been in, in a sandstorm in, uh, in Cairo, and pretty nasty it was too. Mm. But around about the 12th, 13th of November, scorpions <laughs> um, stung three people to death in Aswan. Uh, not weather-related, you might think, on the on the face of it, but um, apparently some 450 more people were injured by scorpion stings, and that was because of hail and thunderstorms in the area near the River Nile on that uh, on that Friday, particularly violent storms. Now, I remember when I was down in Aswan and down towards Abu Simbel, the uh, the uh, person t- taking us down there, the uh, the leader of the pack, as it was, the uh, tourist guide, he said it never rains here. I mean, I know this is a long time ago. It's about 1986, seven, I think. And he said, you never see rain down here, never. And I remembered that, that somebody would be so brave as to say, it never, ever rains down here. So is this also a sign of the weather changing mm. around different parts of the world? That They have these heavy storms. That's brought out the uh, these very dangerous um scorpions as well i wouldn't fancy that at all would you no. have seen a scorpion i have um, and and sometimes you have to be very careful in certain parts of france um when you get up in the morning if you're staying in older properties they suggest you uh, tip your shoes out of the window just in case uh, a scorpions come in to uh, to oh, rest yeah. the night there so you have to be very very careful yep all right well, that is interesting. Well, I'm going to leave the scorpions where they are. <laughs> You're glad you asked. <laughs> yes. Um, a bit creepy, really, isn't it? So back in the middle of the month, but another bout of heavy rain and major flooding and landslides in southern British Columbia, back into Canada again. 
so there was uh, 250 millimetres of rain fell there in some places, and 140,000 people there uh, were left without power as well up in British Columbia. So you can see what a bad time they've had in that, uh, in that neck of the woods. Coming closer to home, and unsurprisingly, really, we've had some pretty uh, very, well, very wet weather at times around Iberia. You know, look, so many people left the UK many years ago to take up uh, home in the, uh, the Spanish villas and their little flats mm-hmm. overlooking the, uh, the costas, you know, and all this kind of thing, and, and all so idyllic it is. And it is most of the time, but of course they get their rain in the wintertime and they get some pretty horrible days, but normally two or three days and it's gone. Uh, the 23rd of November, they had massive hailstorms hit the Spanish city of Alicante, which I think is nearest to Benidorm, isn't it? Valencia, Indeed. Somewhere. Yep. Uh, so the hailstorm was preceded by large amounts of rain in a very short period. So there was some very uh, heavy rain and flash flooding down there, uh, around about the 23rd. Um, so that was the forerunner, really, to some more heavy rain right at the end of the month, the following few days, up in the um, north of Spain as well, up around Barcelona, northwards, uh, the Basque the Basque country. So they've had the stormiest weather during the past, uh, the final week of November. And there's a severe thunderstorm on the 25th over in Malta. That swept away some cars and blocked roads, of course, as it would do. Uh, Malta gets its wettest weather always in November. So it wasn't surprising that they got Mm. um, some pretty wet weather just a few days ago. They had an average of 108 millimetres falling over the country in in just a 24-hour period quite amazing really that isn't it now my next door neighbor has been to istanbul in the past two weeks and uh, when I, when he came back uh, i spoke to him about the weather i said i've been monitoring it while you were there and i said uh, it looked like it was quite hot before you got there and as soon as you arrived it turned cool 16 degrees and there was a bit of rain wasn't there three or four millimeters he said yeah that's right he said john yeah he said, that, that's absolutely right that's how it was i know it had been hotter when before i got there well, just after he got back, a severe windstorm hit Istanbul and that left four people dead. Would you oh, that's it? dreadful. With a windstorm. So he just missed that. And it must have been very grateful to have got back before that thing turned up. So ooh, oh. everywhere you're getting these extremes of weather. Now, I might just say in passing as well, Andrew, uh, because as everybody knows, this is not scripted, this program. We just make it up as we go along. We do just musket. Yep. Just musket. Uh, things come to my mind. Things come to your mind. And it's all very exciting and very interesting. Uh, but we've had two or three volcanoes going off, haven't we, in the past six, seven, eight weeks? And they're still trundling, aren't they? And they're still trundling away. And nobody ever talks about the fact that that actually cools down the world. Absolutely. It I wonder pumps... if that was mentioned at COP. <laughs> well, I don't know, because, of course, the embarrassment is one huge um, upset, uh, an eruption of a, a volcano, as you say, pumps up so much dust into the upper atmosphere shades the sun and can significantly change the weather um, for years afterwards. Not not just months, but so years. Two or three years, can't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Mount Pinatubu was one of the famous ones, wasn't it? Yep. And Krakatoa and people places like that. Yeah, I think Paul the pilot also re- yeah, he mentioned the story where there was a fellow um, pilot, wasn't there, for uh, BOAC or BA, who um, was flying around in these... Uh, these volcanoes are crossing the Far East or something, Singapore. I remember seeing one where um, it actually, um, it, they flew through the dust. And it was in a 747, I think, because I think I pointed it out to Paul. And it's yeah. it's on television. You can get it on YouTube. And it's air crash investigation. They survived because of some stunning flying. But it clogged the engines and they couldn't see out of the windscreen. And they couldn't work out why. They thought it was rain or something like that. It wasn't. The, yeah. the dust had, um, well, 
basically ruined the screens um had had caused huge damage to the screens not broken them yeah. but just made them yeah. impossible to see through unbelievable it was it's it's a stunning film to watch but you had to be very careful of course all of the sto- the um if you remember the icelandic the unpronounceable icelandic eruption which caused such oh, mayhem 2010 was it that's right um because we you know having boats to get people back from spain and all sorts of, you know the navy was evacuating people left right and center uh, yes volcanoes can be incredibly disruptive incre- and sometimes they throw up one can throw up as much muck as it's calculated the industrial revolution in the victorian era uh, threw into the atmosphere in just one go as against across um, a, a century or so fascinating stuff john fascinating looking at the time we need to move towards that moment when i have to ask you to to do the prognostications but before we do um, just across the landing, I've had a little note passed to me by, uh, by um, she who oh, is often obeyed. And um, she said, could you, wishes you all the very best. I'm talking about my wife, if anybody's worrying. Of course, of course yes. Of yes. Course. Uh, and she, she says, could you wish John and his family all the best of the season? And indeed, everybody from Siren does the same for you. But she said she is confused, as I was when we were driving during the recent inclement weather. What's the difference between, and you've no doubt been asked this umpteen times, so I know I haven't made notes of your answers. What's the difference between sleet, hail, and freezing rain? Oh, gosh. Well, that's a very complicated one. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, well, well, sleet, I think, is fairly obvious because that's a mixture of rain and snow. So you can actually see the rain coming. Went a bit yesterday here. Uh, two yep. days ago, I think the temperature was only four degrees, and it was raining quite heavily. And when, it gets, when the rain gets a bit heavier... You can actually see a few snowflakes mixed in it. Right. So it's a mixture uh, of rain and snow. That's sleet. Rain and snow. So you can see some snowflakes. You can also see some rain, but it's basically rain. Okay. Uh, you, you've got to call it sleet. It's it's number 68 on the present weather code if you're doing it uh, for real. Ooh, okay. In, in my old days. I'll quote um, that. Yes, 68, rain and sleet. Oh, sleet, rain and snow. Uh, but um, freezing rain is the dangerous stuff. That's when you've got uh, rain coming down onto a frozen surface and it glazes, you know, oh, right. glazed ice. So that's rain coming out from the atmosphere. It's coming down perfectly normally as rain. And then just freezes on contact. It freezes on impact. Um, and it's dangerous. It's, and it's also very difficult to forecast as well because the change comes along in the in the bottom part of the atmosphere it might look pretty obvious that it's going to be snow to begin with. Sometimes it can be coming down as snow quite near the ground. Then suddenly it meets this uh, warmer plume just above the atmos- above the ground. So it turns to rain, but then because the Earth's already cold, it then it freezes straight away. That's, and, it's a very difficult one to forecast, that freezing rain. Uh, hail. I've forgotten forgot the number of that one. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> well, so, so what's hail then, if it's not the sleety well, rain? Essentially, hail is from cumulonimbus clouds. That's where it would normally come from, hail. There's, uh, there's hail, ice pellets type A, ice pellets type B. <laughs> and they're coming out of cumulonimbus clouds, which have been tossed up and down, up and down in the up and down motion of the cumulonimbus uh-huh. clouds. Got you, yeah. The violent, violent updrafts and downdrafts. So, they, you know, they obviously can be quite small, but they get bigger and bigger and bigger. If you're in America, the baseball size in this country, if you're, <laughs> golf if you're ball. lucky, they're a golf ball size, but more often than not, they're peas. Yep. Uh, so, they're, so they're hail and they've come about because they've come down an awful long way being tossed up and down in the atmosphere going about six miles up. Thank you. Going back yes, to thank freeze... you, Debbie, for that wonderful question. Yeah, I, thank you. And if you have questions, send them to me, david at lincoln.ac.uk and we can pass my... And just going back to freezing rain, I can remember pictures of uh, 
and this is why it's very dangerous for electricity companies when you get that freeze on the cables and it gradually makes them so heavy they snap um because again they're wrapped up basically in ice which is the rain that's fallen on them and is frozen in what look like pretty patterns but are devastating yeah but it's even worse if it's snowing at the same time because that's called ice accretion and the, ice accretion. Gets, the, mm. the ice and the snow sticks to it so it gets heavier and heavier and heavier the cables get wider and wider and wider it's all called ice accretion uh, and that is really dangerous that's nasty stuff i mean that's something that happened a lot more in years gone by it doesn't seem to doesn't be seem the to case these days but i wonder if that had certainly been one of the problems up in the scotland yes. area in the past 10 days could very well be john as ever a real pleasure let's look forward uh, we don't have to project what's happening for the christmas market because that's that's gone oh, it's been and gone. Uh, uh, let's let's talk about the next couple of days because it still seems that there are various things that are likely to to plague us and then i have to ask the question because everybody does yes what's christmas going to be like you notice the way i phrased it yes well it's going to be turkey again this year thank you yeah. okay and <laughs> stuffing pigs in blankets yeah yeah no yeah, no that's the one that's the one, yeah. Probably starting off with a bit of books, Fizz, you know, in the morning. Why not? Absolutely. Uh, but, um, we've got a very mixed bag for the rest of this week. There's certainly some more rain to come, quite wet weather at times as well. Um, and on the chilly side as well. But there is a big sign, a sign of a big change as we go through the weekend. It is going to get milder. Not sure how long it'll turn mild for, but over back end of Saturday into Sunday, it'll be uh, much milder. The milder weather stays with us into next week. Much drier weather as well, which would be nice again. It's mm-hmm. nice to get back to some drier weather. Uh, temperatures could get up to 13 degrees. Can you believe that? Goodness. Um, but then probably dropping off again during the middle of next week, second half of next week, as we start to see the threat of some weak bands of rain coming off the Atlantic. But at the moment, I think there's a lot of dry weather. I think it's high pressure definitely in charge as we go towards Christmas. And at the moment, yes, I think Christmas itself looks... Um, pretty uneventful and it's a sort of christmas again when the sun's shining on your windows and then you realize oh we should have cleaned those windows before christmas it looks terrible <laughs> sitting here eating your turkey uh, so it's just reminded me i need to go out and clean my windows in the next two weeks yeah john as ever thank you so much indeed and the the mantra which is forever going to be uh, your epitaph is you're more likely to have snow at easter than you are at christmas Yep, I think we should book that in now. Let's get it sorted out. Let's, I'll, let's I'll have a check on the calendar and we'll go for a, go for a snowy Christmas. A snowy Easter, yes. Snowy Easter. John Kettley, thank you so much indeed for being with us. Can we wish, as I said earlier, you and yours a very happy Christmas thank and you, New Andrew. Year and we'll see you in 2022.